Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Angry Orchard. That's what that's what you're drinking? Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. <laughs> I'm drinking the same. I'm still drinking the uh the some wine. Some from last some week. Wine? It's still the same bottle. Know. I could have drank some white wine. I just re- remembered we had an open bottle of that. I totally forgot. Oh, some oh, some open white wine? Yeah, it was a cupcake chardonnay. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know. No, it wasn't cupcake. It was not cupcake. It was a chardonnay, though. I'm sorry. Why? I hate chardonnay. Oh, you hate chardonnay. I was like, cupcake's not bad. Why are you? Oh, chardonnay. Got it. Sorry, it's the chardonnay. Got it. Yeah. I know some people are very passionate about Chardonnay. I'm we not one not. of those people. I'm not. Uh, we are, hey, I need to cook with wine. Should I use the really cheap mm. uh, small mm-hmm. bottle or should I open a bottle of, of wine that we don't care about? And then, and we then can drink, drink some. some of it and yeah. also cook with it. Okay. Yeah, that's what that's what that was about. For those new listeners out there, we have a segment called What Are We Drinking? And that's that was segment. it. That was yeah. it. <laughs> we kind of did that in reverse, but you know. I like to shake it up sometimes. Yeah. Hey, speaking of shaking things up. Yes, this is technically part of the quick burns. Yeah. Uh, so Patreon changed some things. Those of you who read Twitter and mm. follow <laughs> Patreon already know that it's made very many people very angry. Um, but essentially what's going on is they are shifting the processing fees, which are mostly credit card fees, from being taken out of the creator's earnings to being charged to the patron. Uh, So if you go and you sign up for Stripe as a merchant, you'll be charged 2.9% plus 30 cents a transaction. That's just what you're going to pay. What Patreon is doing is saying, we're going to shift that to the patrons because we want to change some other ways we charge people. And if we do that, that means that the creators would get even less money. Uh, And we're all about the creator's so we're going to shift it so that anybody who pledges on Patreon uh, eventually will get charged as soon as stuff is posted, uh, and they will be added a 2.9% plus 35 cent fee, mm-hmm. which means if you char- if you pay $5, if you're one of the people who supports us at $5 an episode, it'll be $5.50 from now on. So it's a, it's a raise in your rate. Uh, it simplifies things on our end because of that $5.50, $5 is your pledge and we get 95% of it. Whereas before it could range from 80 to 87%. Yeah. It, it fluctuated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty stable on daily tech news show, but on sword and laser, it's kind of all over the place. Um, and that's, that's typical of folks who do per post charging like we do. So, so that's, what's going on there. Your charge is going to go up. Now we don't want you to feel like, Oh great. Now I'm paying more and nothing else is changing. So we did something we've been talking about doing uh, for a while, and we are making the rewards cheaper. Woohoo! 
Reward sale. Yeah. Uh, all, all rewards must go to you. <laughs> to you, our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> because you support us on Patreon. So uh, if you are supporting us at a level and you don't move, you're just going to get more stuff. You're not losing anything. Uh, so for instance, if you are at the dollar level, you'll now get your name on the website. If you're at the $3 level, you'll now get the book briefing. You used to only go to the $5 people. $5 level people, you get the monthly silliness show now. Oh, more people. That's nice. Which I finally figured out how to make Veronica enjoy last, last episode. <laughs> so we've, we've cracked the code. Mm-hmm. Uh, $10 folks now get uh, a new, it's kind of a new level uh, called uh, Random Stuff from us. Totally stealing the idea from We Have Concerns. Yep. Secret mail. Uh, random stuff means at any point at this level, you may get something cool from us, like a book or a bookmark or Veronica's old socks. Do they have to give Probably us their socks. address or do we have that somewhere already? Well, yes, they will have to give us. If you're already a, a member at $10, you'll have to give us the address. Otherwise, we can't mail you anything. We can't mail you things. Uh, and if you're signing up at that level or changing to that level, it'll ask you for the address now. It'll make you give it. Uh, and then the $20 level, the Lems Librarians, you guys are you're just solid. You're good. Uh, you still get your Lems, Lems library and everything. So that stays the same. All right. So thank you guys for, for bearing with us through this change. Not a change we asked for, nor wanted. No, no. Um, But here we are. But you know what change we did want? Yes. Uh, very excited to welcome Tazzy Dave as our new Goodreads mon- uh, moderator. So he'll be joining Josh and, of course, the Robberator as, as moderators over on Goodreads. I mean, he's just done such a great job with our the data posts and with, you know, stuff on, on the sword and laser Wikia, um, just keeping us in check. And so it, it seemed like the right thing to do. And we're, we're excited to have him. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. So welcome. I mean, I don't, I feel silly saying welcome Tassie Dave. He's been here for years. Don't call him a comeback. Uh, but we're congratulations. Uh, and thank you for being our moderator. You're awesome. Absolutely. All right, let's get into these stories. Yes. Uh, so Rob, Posted on Goodreads in the quick burn section uh, that Goodreads is going to start charging publishers and authors for giveaways. And he wrote (laughs) boo, to which Clyde wrote, sigh, that is yet another gatekeeper tax. I suppose some bean counter had a bright idea. I reckon the result will be that most giveaways activity moves to Facebook, Google Plus, etc. with links to the writers and publishers pages. And then Robin Hobb casually sauntered in and wrote wait wait, hold on hold on casually sauntered in into our forums yes robin hobb author robin hobb just like oh yes rob and clyde my favorite like one of my top three authors robin hobb right yeah robin hobb she's just like oh because i hang out in quick burns you know (laughs) reading the quick burns so i'm having kind of like a panic attack right now she wrote (laughs) Bingo. I think it's likely that individual writers will do their own giveaways via their own websites or Facebooks. It only makes sense to build your following that way. If I pay Goodreads to give away my books, then I'm paying Goodreads to drive more traffic to them. Publishers may pay the fee just to keep their lives simple. It's like the old tale of the tar baby. The deeper you get into these things, the harder it is to pry yourself out. Robin. Robin. Hob. After which Mark Lawrence popped his head in. Wait, what? Mark Lawrence. (laughs) Author Mark Lawrence. Was like, oh, hey, Robin Hobb, I see you commenting on this thread. So I, Mark Lawrence, award-winning author of my own, will pop my head in and spake thus. 
Even publishers may fail, fall back on their own websites using their social media and that of authors to drive readers to giveaways. I'd suggest that and say spend the money saved on Facebook advert or something similar. Okay. Which made Stephen say, wow, two of my favorite authors read Sword and Laser's Quick Burns. <laughs> okay. I will spend a day liking all the publishing houses on Facebook, follow them on Twitter. Most I do on Twitter already. But is there anything else beside giving Goodreads some grief? No. I mean, this is, you know, Goodreads made this decision for whatever reason they think it's 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 worthwhile uh, for them. Uh, and and they'll either realize that nobody wants to give away their books uh, and stop doing it, or they'll be like, ha ha ha, see, everybody's paying us the big fat stacks of cash and we were right all along, you know? I guess it really depends on the amount. I, I don't know how much they're going to be charging for this kind of thing. I, I, I didn't see that in the article, it might be in mm -hmm. there. Um, it could be reasonable. Maybe it's not crazy. I don't know. It, it does kind of stink, though, because you want Goodreads to be a place where all of this stuff is happening. Like It's supposed to be really the, the landing page for so many of these authors where they can have these community conversations and giveaways and, and things of that nature. So it is, it is a little bit disappointing that they would potentially drive people onto other services for that. Yeah, so it's uh, $59 for standard giveaways, which is 50% off introductory offer, and $299 for premium giveaways at 50% off. That's so eventually nothing. it'll be $120 for standard and $600 for premium. For like a, a big publisher, maybe that's not a big deal, but for an independent author or or smaller publishing houses, like that's, that's tougher. Yeah, and... I, I see where they're coming from, which is like we've been we had this giveaway tool that was free. And so now we're we're adding features to it that promote and, and stuff and, mm -hmm. and, and help. Uh, and so it's it's essentially a big advertisement that's going to run across Goodreads and you'll want to pay for that. All right. Well, I guess we'll see how see how it goes. See how. The, yeah. How the, right. Yeah. And like will, I said, it will bear out in the data, I suppose. The authors, uh, at least the authors that responded to our thread do not seem terribly excited about it. Um, but yeah, that's true. I suppose we'll see. Louis says the first trailer for the Netflix adaptation of Richard K. Morgan's Altered Carbon is out. I am excited for this, so you guys. Yeah. I am super, super excited for this. Uh, I really loved Altered Carbon. Um, I love that it takes place in San Francisco. And I, I've had some pretty good success watching Netflix original series in the past. And I like all the actors on the show, too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one big time. Did you watch the trailer? I did more than once. Uh I read Altered Carbon on a plane in like the early 2000s. And so when we read it for Sword and Laser, it was my second read. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved it just as much the second time through. Uh, so I am very excited to see this story. And uh, it's coming February 2nd. That is not far away. I'm no. very stoked. Yes, it is. I mean, we I mean, were yes, really... I am. We, we had said for a long time, like this, you know, Game of Thrones really opened the doors for a lot of experimentation in, in genre on television. And I think we're, we're starting to see that pay off in a big way. I mean, yeah. Magicians was amazing, of course. Um, uh, um, eh, uh, the Expanse. Thank you. The Expanse is one of my favorite shows whose title sometimes I forget completely. Sorry. Um, and now Altered Carbon. And, you know, there, there's a lot of great stuff out there right now. Yeah. Uh, and then we got some best of lists. Ian pointed out the UK Guardian's uh, best science fiction and fantasy of 2017 is out. And then Scott added the NPR best books of 2017, uh, which you can 
drill, drill down into by genre, and they have a mm-hmm. science fiction and fantasy section there. The NPR one, whoever is doing their website, uh, did a good job because it's a nice little animated uh, slideshow, and it's got a bunch of stuff that you won't know on here. It's got a few you do. You can see Autonomous is uh, Autonomous by Annalie Newitz on here mm-hmm. and stuff, but there's some some really interesting uh, choices there. And uh, the Guardian one is a little more staid and, and solid. Uh, a few more things that you might rec- re- recognize, which is, isn't a bad thing. Uh, they're still really good recommendations. And I, I don't I, I don't think this made it into the Quick Burns uh, thread this time around, but the best books of 2017 on Goodreads was also announced. Um, I voted in several of the categories this year. And for fantasy, uh, it was uh, J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts, the original screenplay, uh, won for best book. And for science fiction, Artemis by Andy Weir uh, won in that category. And then uh, Sleeping Beauties by Stephen King and Owen King uh, won for horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, Veronica. What? Why are you nodding your so head? Just just move on to the next uh, the next quick burn. Since. Oh, is it literally that? Did it's- I... Did I literally? You actually overperformed. You gave all of the winners, whereas Ruth uh, (laughs) just made the comment about. Well, the problem was there was no link, so I skipped. I I went past (laughs) it because I was looking for the Goodreads link in the (laughs) spreadsheet. Tom. Well, because all Ruth uh, Ruth didn't link. She just said on the best of 2017 topic. Is anyone else feeling unimpressed that Goodreads awarded best fantasy Mm -hmm. book to Mm -hmm. Fantastic Beasts of Where to Find Them, which is a screenplay, arguably like. I mean, it's fantasy, but it's not like dead center innovative fantasy. It's 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 a an extension of a sequel in screenplay form for a movie. Uh, so I think a lot of people were like, it's not that we don't like Fantastic Beasts necessarily. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. It's just that yeah. man, there's some really good fantasy novels. There were novels. some really good books. I mean, yeah. yeah, Robert Jackson Bennett was up under for City of Miracles. Um, we had Brian McClellan for Sins of Empire, The Witchwood Crown by Tad Williams. Oh my gosh, Patricia Briggs was up there, who I really love. Uh, Mark Lawrence was up there for Red Sister. There were a lot of great books, and Robin Hobb, which for for uh, for of course uh, Assassins, um, the new the new Assassins yeah. book that just came out uh, this past year. So a lot of really good stuff. So I I understand the frustration. I I feel too that 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 was a popularity contest. And N.K. Jemisin for the Stone Sky was nominated. Yeah. Man, these are all kinda... these are all on the Guardian and NPR list too. All these all these books you're you're mentioning, so they're they're highly lauded for sure. For sure, and there's still more awards to come. Lauren says, "This week I discovered two neat digital projects involving old science fiction fanzines. Uh, if you head over to diyhistory.lib.uiowa.edu/slash." Hevelin, uh, this is a project from the University of Iowa, where they have scanned the library's collection of old sci-fi fanzines. They're doing a crowdsource project to transcribe the content of the fanzines. So if you feel like contributing, here's an opportunity. Uh, they have a Tumblr where they report out some of the neat things that they find over at hevelincollection.tumblr.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And uh, Lauren continues, the speculative Wonderverse is a digitization project for the Bob Gibson sci-fi fanzine archive with content going back to the 1840s. Wow. They have a tagging system so you can find stories and other content based on various themes. It's also a weird symbol system that Bob Gibson used for labeling the stories, but he didn't leave a key. So you can try to solve the mystery of how his system works. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. That and sounds like at, a fun contest or competition, too. That's at stuffofsciencefiction.ca slash viz slash wonderverse. 
Very cool. And then finally, Sandra says Netflix has acquired John Scalzi's modern sci-fi classic Old Man's War to develop as an original film. Now, here's the thing. Paramount had it. Then sci-fi had it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, usually I'd be like, oh, well, okay, somebody else has it. We'll see if it makes it out of development. But man, when Netflix gets something, you kind of just assume it's going to be made at this point. Yeah, because they will try a lot. They have a lot of money to spend, and they seem to be really willing to to give things the good old college try. And I'm stoked. That was a book that I loved, and we love Scalzi over here. So that that's another thing to look forward to. And Scalzi said, Old Man's War is fast enough as a book that it should fit into a movie quite well because sci-fi was developing it as a series. Uh, but he said, and if it goes well, there's no reason that they can't make future books into future movies. So you could get a whole series. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for contributing uh, to the quick burns this week, including Robin Hobb and Mark Lawrence, who jumped in to to add their opinions. Uh, I hope they I kind of hope they don't listen to the show because I had a little bit of a fangirl moment that was (laughs) maybe a little bit too intense. So I apologize. It's all complimentary. It's all complimentary. All right. That's good. All right. You're right. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Got this email from Corey, who wrote in recently, who says, Hello, I've lived in Germany for 21 years and have been enjoying German Glühwein, mulled wine, for quite some time. That being said, I have found a great recipe that will solve all of your woes. They're, of course, speaking of my very sour, sad attempt at making uh, mulled wine for for last week's episode. Very sour. I I both felt sour and it tasted sour. Um, so the, the recipe includes one bottle of wine, must be a wine you would drink, I okay. use Merlot or Bordeaux, one cup of granulated sugar, that's what I, I think I missed the sugar, I think that, that was helps. my problem. That makes a difference, yeah. <laughs> three whole cloves, three cinnamon sticks, mix and heat, do not boil, also mm. a mistake I made, to desired temperature, make sure sugar is dissolved, enjoy. I add a piece of orange for extra flavor. Let me know what you think. Oh, that that sounds simple yet delectable. It sounds a lot smarter than what I did, which was boil some cheap wine and then throw in a bag of apple cider <laughs> apple spices. Cider spices. <laughs> yes. Uh, three strikes, you're out. With no sugar. And yeah. yeah, so that's my life. Um, I wanted you to read this because you talked about this with Rob a bit. And so I think you guys hashed out the the schedule oh, for the yeah. upcoming reads a little bit. So maybe we should clarify because there was a lot of discussion happening no, of over on the forums about Frankenstein, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had said uh, that we would read Frankenstein maybe in March because the anniversary of its publication was in March of 1818. So this would be the 50th anniversary. And then we were talking about, well, do we need to flip things around? Do we need to change things? because et cetera, et cetera. You wanted to do Wrinkle in Time, uh, which is coming out in March. March. Yes. Uh, And so we were like, well, what do we do? Problem solved. Turns out the March publication date is an oft-cited, in fact, I was citing it from the History Channel website, uh, an oft-cited mistake. Uh, Oh. I couldn't dig up where the mistake originated, but Mm -hmm. a lot of very... Uh, reliable sources cite that March date as the anniversary. It may be that it was first distributed outside of London in March, and that may be where that date 
comes from. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nevertheless, it was in fact first published in January of 1818. Uh, Wikipedia didn't fail in this instance because somebody pointed to Wikipedia and I was like, "Mm, Wikipedia, mm, not always exactly, you know, sometimes (laughs) they fall for things. But Mm -hmm. they cited the actual London Times archived article about the publication. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, the Bodleian Library uh, also has an article which cites January as a publication date. So I think between those two, we're pretty solid on January being the anniversary of Frankenstein. So yeah, uh, thanks to to everybody who dug up all of these resources. And uh, we will be doing Frankenstein in January. Now that still leaves us February to be Wrinkle in Time. Although Wrinkle in Time, arguably a laser pick also. But Frankenstein, you know, I mean, there's the thing of traditionally like, is it the first modern sci-fi? And that's kind of why I want to read it is so we can have that discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people were having that discussion in the thread as well. But we'll save that for January. Um, so we could kind of just go off track for a couple months and then March Madness happens. So I guess, I don't know. You want to pick Wrinkle in Time for February? I hadn't. Yeah, so I think I think I think so. So we'll pick. So so January will be Frankenstein. February will be A Wrinkle in Time, and then March will be oh. March will be back to me, and then then you'll pick something, and and in that time we'll do the March Madness. We'll do March Madness. But then March Madness is going to be a sword pick for the third year in a row again. It'll always. I mean, that's March. That's the madness of it. Well, maddening. (laughs) What if we do? What if we start with the two, the two sides, the two, the two, um, um, um. Oh, you want to do a, bra- a sci-fi bracket and a sci-fi fantasy bracket, bracket and a fantasy bracket? You know, that's bracket. kind of fun. I like that idea. Yeah, it's kind of like whoever, the different. Whoever, if if fantasy wins, then we'll just stay on the normal beats. Mm-hmm. If sci-fi wins, then fantasy gets picked the next month. You think so? Yeah, just to balance it out. Okay, and then otherwise we'll be we'd off. have yeah. three sci-fi in a row. Okay, kind of. I think that's fair. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. So then we we've got that planned out. Good job, good job, yeah. us. Good, good job, team. Rob. Good job, for Rob. emailing us and being like, guys, this is not. Well, he your, posted it. I don't know the, what you're doing in the Goodreads thread too. <laughs> yes. uh, and I am blanking, and I don't have the link in front of me right now. Of the person who who pointed out the Times article uh, about January uh, for Frankenstein. So thank you for that. Good save, everyone. Team. All Team effort. Well, now it is time for our, I mean, we already kicked it off, so we will discuss lightly uh, California Bones by Greg Van Eckhout, uh, which is the book pick for the month of December. Oh, it's all going to be so hard to discuss lightly. Especially since I'm on the third book now. Oh my gosh. Really? You're already through the (laughs) second book? (laughs) I'm halfway through the third book. You're worse than me. I can't stop reading it. Wow. Yeah. No, I think it's safe to say we both really like this book then. (laughs) And I don't think it's just because I know a lot of the places they're talking about because I I have spent a lot of time in LA. And of course, because you live there, you're very familiar with all the places. Of California Bones, first of all. That would be fun. That would be fun. We can go to uh, Tito's Tacos, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. (laughs) I think we could just eat our way through all of this. The only one that isn't where it's supposed to be is Pioneer Chicken. I tweeted about this. Pioneer Chicken is no longer over near me. Uh, the only Pioneer Chicken is on the east side, but there is still one, so we could still go there. Well, also, maybe times have changed in this, you know, the... Uh, the That's uh, the crazy thing, is the places he picked all still exist. That's true. I didn't catch the the the, the, pinks, the pinks reference in the book. 
Pink's tacos? Yeah, no, Pink's the hot dogs. Oh, 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 right, right. You know, I, I'm blanking on that now that you mentioned it, but. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. Quick break. Thank you, Mark, for the Shelley Godwin archive link. And I mean, if you were doing a food tour, you would not want to also stop at Mother Cauldron's place because that would be <laughs> a bad scene. <laughs> I want to go to the ossuary. Uh, yeah, that's. I could eat luck, at the California Academy in. of. It's hard uh, to get in. I could eat at the at LACMA, the LA County Museum of I'm gonna Art. Say my, I'm going to say my joke again because you didn't react okay, to it. Go ahead. Good luck getting in to the ah, ossuary. Yeah, yeah, because I can't melt concrete. Yeah. Okay. Too yeah. many. Too many spoilers. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm re- I'm really enjoying this series, uh, uh, especially the the first uh, book in particular. Um, so as we mentioned last time, the primary tale is about Daniel Blackland, who is a young osteomancer, which is a kind of of sorcerer that is able to absorb the powers of mythical creatures, magical creatures, by consuming the bones of those creatures. Bone magic. Which is bone magic, osteomancy. You and so eat bones and you get power, and that can include humans. It can. And he had a very difficult, rough upbringing, um, life of crime, you know, trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, this story is about him coming to terms with his abilities and the the people who got him to where he is and fighting a much larger power and how that affects his relationships. And it's just a really interesting look at a, a fantastical Los Angeles where this takes place and how magic and environmental factors and all sorts of different pressures and powers have shaped the city to their their desires and, and wants and and in their image. If you know anything about L.A. history, too, which mm-hmm. I know a spot of, I don't know as much as I'd like, uh, there's some great little appearances. Cameos, yeah. Yeah. And I don't uh, want to even give them up because no, they're, no, they're exactly. so funny I'm leaving when it, it happens. Leaving it there. Uh, but, you know, some of them will be recognizable to the majority of the readers. Some of them, you really kind of have to know something about California history or L.A. history in particular. And you'll be like, oh, weird. OK, yeah, cool. The one I didn't catch, which some eagle-eyed uh, readers over in the forum spotted, was uh, Watanabe. Um, who is a character in the story is is based on a real life uh, person in Los Angeles. Um, this was from I believe it was from uh, John uh, Toloni. I think mentioned it. He said that uh, Watanabe is a sheriff that was implicated in a recent scandal where the county sheriff's office uh, moved an informant around so he couldn't be found. Sheriff so Watanabe. He, so he comes back in in this story in, in a different role, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there, there's some things that are direct references to people and other people that are based on on real life characters uh, from Los Angeles in the real world. So it's funny like figuring out who is who and where they fit in. Um, but I wanted to read this this thread uh, over on Goodreads from Ruth. She says, it strikes me that this book has a very strong environmental theme running through it. The bone magic, consuming the bones of ancient creatures to gain their powers is an obvious analogy for fossil fuels. Hmm. Yeah, okay. which I which I definitely it's it's you know a, a non renewable resource essentially, yep. and fossil um, fuels from you know dinosaur bones kind of not really but sort of yeah. Well, I mean the all the the conversation about the La Brea tar pits, for mm-hmm. example. Yep. I mean that's yep. totally exactly the same thing. Um, she says, 
I gather LA has massive problems with water shortages, IRL. Uh, Someone who actually lives there can probably fill in more detail there, plus debates about road infrastructure and use of fossil fuels. So I wonder if Greg Van Eckhout is deliberately satirizing the real-life political and environmental situation. Any thoughts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And it's not even just water shortages, although drought is a common problem, not only in LA, in all of California, uh, but water stealing, getting water is both a San Francisco and an LA issue mm-hmm. because neither place have enough natural water to support the populations they have. So they both bring it in from the mountains. Uh, and well, let me are- just say, I Hetch Hetchy uh, comes into play in uh-huh. later books. <laughs> Oh, does it really? <laughs> it does. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, the 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 uh, the whole wa- the water wars of L.A. are legendary. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the map of L.A. and you see like the weird shape it has, a lot of it has to do with using water rights to force towns to join Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Santa Monica was one of the few that was able to resist, but Mar Vista and Venice uh, and several others uh, could not resist that and ended up having to be consolidated into LA. And then LA wanted to have its port moved. Uh, so it just annexed the highway going down to a new port in Long Beach. So Long Beach doesn't get the port. It's the port of Los Angeles owned by the city of Los Angeles, even though it's in Long Beach. It's all kinds of weird stuff like that. Shake my head. Um, I also, uh, if you've started reading it, you know already that there are the the roads and the highways in this universe are replaced by canals and waterways. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a, a cool nod too to Venice, for example, which still does have canals. Yeah, Abbott Kinney is the name of the the designer of Venice who wanted to replicate the canal system. It mm-hmm. used to be way more extensive than it is now. Uh, in reality, it's it's gotten smaller, and now there's just a short series of them preserved kind of as a historical artifact, really. Uh, in this book, it was the opposite. What he started in Venice just spread out into the rest yeah. of Los Angeles. And there, I love that line where he's like, Los Angeles could never support cars. It didn't have enough roads. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything's canals. Yeah, everything's boats, speedboats, yeah. et cetera. Um, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I did not know the history of Abbott Kinney. And so for I learned that, actually, or, or learned to learn that in this book. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is something I do not know. Like, I should look into this. This is obviously like more of a connection than I expected. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so there is there's some there's some definitely some fun nods to historical figures. And yes, I think Ruth, you are absolutely correct. Extremely uh, driven by environmental themes uh, mm-hmm. in the story as well. Nailed it, Ruth. Good job. Good eye, good eye. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 enjoying this thoroughly. It's they're they're quick reads. Um, I, I noticed some people being like, "Ooh, I don't really like the kind of like creepy elements to it." Mm-hmm. Honestly, like the first scene that is disturbing is probably the most disturbing thing in the rest of the book. I think yeah. there's allusions to stuff, but that's yeah, probably get... the most graphic it gets. I would say you're talking about the fork. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely the most, whoa, is this going to be like this? Uh, and it's not. The rest of the book is not that much like it. It alludes to it, though. Yeah, there's definitely illusion there. But I, I would I, I too was like, oh, this is kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Or even like the the very first scene with with Daniel and his father um, where he has to consume 
something to mm -hmm. like to to give him powers. That sounds that even that just sounds worse than it actually is. Um, but yeah, it's it's the beginning is is very strong uh, in those kinds of images, and then yeah. it gets it gets better. I, I, I would I, I would actually say. have a weird fond memory of that early scene of him on the beach with his dad. Oh, because I'm listening to the audiobook and I'm out walking my dog Ray and we're at this part of our neighborhood where you can see down into Venice Beach, Santa Monica, uh and the ocean and I'm I'm hearing this description of them being on the beach with each other and I'm looking out at the beach that he's talking about and I'm like, okay, this is just cool. This is this is good visuals. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I just kind of had a, it was a nice day too. Uh, and so I have, and then it, of course, you know, did you find to, any Kraken bones? He has to eat a Kraken bone. See, I'm not at the beach. I'm like miles away from the beach, but I could see it. So I, I also want to say, while we're on the topic of, of Los Angeles and I didn't even talk about this with you, but I just want to say, I hope everybody down there is okay. Oh yeah. I know that there's a lot of wildfires going on right now. We dealt with that up here in the Bay oh, area yeah. recently. So be careful. We're thinking about you. It yeah. sucks. Last night was the the real touch and go night for a lot of people. It's not near me. Uh, you know, I, I I don't like it when when people sort of over dramatize the situation for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not in danger. Uh, but there are people, you know, not 10, 15 miles north of me uh, that are close. And a little farther than that, uh, there's people who are losing their homes. We did have a fire in Bel Air which is eh, say like 10 miles away from me. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was scary because if, if it had started coming in, it would have started to affect my neighborhood, but they, they were able to get that one under control. So yeah, it's touch and go. Yeah. Very scary stuff. Environmental factors, as we were yeah, discussing, right? they're pretty intense. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode and this discussion. But yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying California Bones by Greg Van Eckhout. Actually, I'd love to e get him on the show. Eckhout? Oh, I've yeah. been saying his name wrong this whole time, and you're just correcting me now after two episodes of talking about it? Uh-huh. Hmm. Hmm. I put the pronunciation in the book briefing. Do you not read the book briefing? Nope. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm not a patron. <laughs> <laughs> Why would um, I read that? You just you tell know, me them. You tell them to me. He's here, I think, mm -hmm. in L.A. He can have him have him in studio. Just drop by. Yeah, we can interview him here. We should ask him. That'd be fun to have. We have can him mark. On the show to we talk can mark Marin it. Yes, except say. I'm here, and he's not Obama. But other than that. It's exactly the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> Are you going to have uh, security on the roof of, of your garage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure Gregory Van Eekhout's got security on. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening. As you know, our show is entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you want to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Take a look at those new levels, by the way. BT dubs. Check them out. You can also support the show by buying books through links. You just click the link. Actually, anything you buy after you click the link, we get credit for. Uh, but find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites. It's like the Sword and Laser bookstore. You can just browse the shelves at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at Sword and Laser. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. Hi, Robin Hobb. Hi, Mark Lawrence. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, it's 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.
This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 